You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host today, solo, Brendan Clean. Evan will be doing a draft uh, guest next week, I think, to fill in. We're going to tag team this one. So, um, so here today I have with me Chris Stone, who does uh, great college basketball and draft work at a few places, fan-sided, the Sporting News, and Rush the Court, and uh, knows quite a bit about Kansas basketball, so we're going to talk to him about this year's draft, as well as um, some early returns on Josh Jackson's rookie season. Uh, How have you been enjoying this year's college season so far, Chris? It's been good. Um, I think the talent's probably a little down overall, which is disappointing, but um, that means that probably fewer kids will go to the NBA and more kids will stick around in college basketball and make those next couple seasons exciting. But it's been fun and and pretty interesting. Is there anyone you think... um might go back to school that could be exciting next year just on those along those lines who might um i mean i think probably of most relevance to nba people is some of the kentucky kids could potentially go back to school uh i think that not all of them are the traditional one and done players that calipari's had before and so i think you could see a situation where a decent percentage of those guys return and and kind of bolster the talent pool for next year with their team well, let's start there then. Um, I sure. think the Suns, they're obviously going to have the Miami pick. Um, where that lands is kind of up in the air right now with how well they're playing, but they could also have the Bucks pick um, if it lands between 11 and 16. So somebody that's kind of been hanging around there on people's boards and mock drafts is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's obviously kind of a late bloomer this year, kind of conference play really exploded when his starter went out, Quad A Green. Um, what have you seen from him? And uh, do you think he's the kind of player who could fit next to a Devin Booker type of player? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I think that that's a pretty interesting fit for him because he's someone who, while he plays kind of a traditional point guard role for Kentucky because they don't really have very many kind of creative offensive players isn't necessarily somebody who's going to do that in the NBA. He's not um, the type of athlete that say like Colin Sexton is getting to the rim, although he does get to the rim at a high rate. It's mostly with change of pace stuff and kind of craft rather than just like brute force. And so I don't know that his, you know, ability to get to the rim is going to translate as much in the NBA on a one-on-one level, but it's something he might be able to do as a secondary guy. And I think that that's something that could work okay with Booker uh, who can probably do that a little bit better um, than Shea can. So I think that that is an interesting fit. And then the other piece is that Shea is a really good defender. He has good defensive instincts, has good length. He's 6'6", so he's bigger than kind of most point guards. Um, and I think he's somebody who can guard a variety of positions. He's probably going to be at his best in the NBA next to someone who is kind of a primary creator or initiator that allows him to work in kind of a secondary manner. Um, in that vein, then it's a question of how comfortable are you that he can make his jump shot? Is it going to be consistent enough? He doesn't take a lot of threes right now, but he's shooting them in a pretty decent clip. His shot is kind of low out in front of the body. Um, he's left eye dominant for a right-hand shooter, which is weird it's on the jump shot, but the numbers suggest he should probably at least be an average kind of guy, um, which is 
sufficient, I think, to play off the ball. Yeah, what do you what do you look at with guys like him projecting a jump shot, especially if, like in his case, they're not doing it a whole ton? Yeah, um, so I kind of always go back to some of the stuff that Andrew Johnson from Nylon Calculus wrote a few years ago when he devised the formula to predict uh, NBA three-point shooting percentage because I think it's really difficult, obviously, to just gut check mechanics and hope that those things are correct and that your feelings on them are right. Um, so the things that he kind of found were important inputs into determining future three-point percentage were obviously free throw percentage because it's a more repeatable, consistent motion and kind of gives you a baseline of what a jump shot might look like. Uh, and then the second is you want to look at attempts, which is in some ways uh, a way to gauge how much a player is trusted to shoot, right? We always hear about like, you know, like Mo Bamba, for example, people talk about how he potentially has this jump shot in his pocket because he makes threes in practice. And the fact that he shoots some threes in games suggests that the Texas coaching staff probably has faith that he actually does have that jump shot, even if the results aren't necessarily there. Uh, and so what Andrew found when he was doing his research was that there was some correlation between attempts and future three-point percentage. So I look at both of those things, mechanics stuff, um, but I'm certainly by no means a shot doctor, so I rely on that stuff a little bit less. Um, than I do on on some of the statistical projections. So with Shy, it's like he shoots an okay point for, um, free throw percentage, okay mechanics, even though they're not like great mechanics, um, and and the results have kind of been there so far in a limited number of attempts. I don't think it's something where you can project him to be like a forty percent guy, but I think that you can project him to be like a thirty five, thirty six percent guy, and that's probably sufficient. Yeah, I think that's all you really need with Booker considering the amount of attention that he's going to get. But uh, kind of in that range, maybe let's say like the 15 to, to 25 range, uh, there's quite a few ball handlers in there, and I think that's where Suns fans have kind of been looking just because uh, this team does not currently have that, that secondary guy next to Booker. Um, right. Who's someone from that? I've just been interested every time I have a, a draft guest on to see who they've been uh, most like surprised by from that group somebody who maybe they didn't expect to do as well and that that could be um somebody like Shay that kind of did come out of nowhere or you know just somebody who's improved on prior success yeah that's that's interesting um Shay obviously popped out because he was four-star recruit coming out of high school and, and has kind of made his way up. Uh, someone who's 25th on my board, so it would be on the bottom end of that range, is Landry Shamit out of Wichita State. He's someone I think who can handle the ball, play off the ball, starts, has a great jump shot, is a killer catch-and-shoot guy, um, and also is one of the most efficient off-the-dribble shooters in college basketball. He's somebody that I think you could pair with Booker. With Shamit, the question just is kind of, and, and with really anybody who you're picking in kind of the early 20s is just, how much starter equity do they really have? How much, you know, rotation equity do they really have to end up as that type of player? And I think in some instances, Shamit can end up as a starter on certain teams, but he's not, again, going to be kind of the primary ball handler type of guy. He's a little bit similar to, to Shea in that regard, except he has a better jump shot or a more consistent and reliable jump shot that we know about. Um, other guys in that range who you can maybe look at are like Bruce Brown, who... Um, is out for the next, I guess, six weeks with a, a, a foot injury, I think it is. He's someone who I've dropped quite a bit, but I think a number of people still have up in that 
kind of top 20 to 30 range. Um, kind of a 6'3 combo guard, 6'5 combo guard, long wingspan, strong, can guard opposing point guards, handles the ball a little bit, but I think has some real question marks with his jump shot um, that I'm not super comfortable with right now. And we haven't seen the sort of year-over-year improvement that we would have expected for him after he came back for his sophomore season. Yeah, I think those two guys draw an interesting parallel if you are building a team, a, a backcourt around Booker. Um, and I agree on Brown. I think his uh, his sophomore season has been pretty disappointing overall, but especially with the with the shooting efficiency. But I think those two guys, if you compare them, it is an interesting way to think about Booker in general because somebody like Shamit does make sense because of the creativity and versatility you'd have from that backcourt and be, having two guys that kind of yeah. do similar things. But then... On the other hand, you you have the opportunity with some of these players, um, Brown, obviously the best example. Who um, I mean, and this can be applied to the NBA too. But guys who can just be a very different athlete and um, defensive prospect than than Booker is, and I think that's kind of the the trouble picking so late. If they don't get a guard in that with their with their own pick, um, that's kind of the the juggling act you have to pull with the end of the draft in my mind. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. I mean, the good news for the Suns in this draft, depending on how willing they are to kind of stretch some of these, trade down a little bit from one of those picks in the, the 20s, is I think that there's a really strong collection of point guards in the draft. Um, not like last year where we had like four or five guys at the top who were really good, but in that kind of like 25 to 40 range, there's a ton of guys that I think are pretty good. Um, we've already touched on Shamit. Bruce Brown is kind of a combo guy. Shea is probably a little higher than that grouping right now. But then you have guys like Javon Carter, um, maybe even Devontae Graham, Shake Milton, um, a number of guys who kind of fit potentially that role, um, who give you a little bit of a different look than Booker. And so I think that that's something probably for Suns fans to be optimistic about is that they'll get to take a chance there. Obviously, with anybody you select in that range, you have to have realistic expectations for um, whether or not they're going to actually turn into, you know, a competent starter. Um, not everybody is Kyle Kuzma, right? Uh, <laughs> but I think that there are people worth taking a shot on there that could eventually be helpful players. Yeah, I I really like Milton. I was really impressed with his performance against Wichita State. That was a really fun game overall, battling yeah. between him and Shamit. But um, I actually would... I would want to hear from you what your uh, impressions of Javon Carter have been um, because he's somebody who, to me, worries me because obviously he, he's a senior um, and yeah. doesn't project as an, like, an incredibly athletic player. You, I, I sort of wonder where his offense is going to come from um, in the NBA, but um, you, you, just because you pointed him out, I'd just be interested to hear kind of your impressions of him. Yeah, I mean, if you are selecting Javon Carter, I think you're hoping he turns out to be the Patrick Beverly type of point guard, right? Where he is a really elite point of attack defender, which I think that there's almost no question that Carter can be that in the NBA. He's really strong. He's lengthy enough. Um, he's quick enough. He's smart enough. He has kind of all of the, the boxes checked in terms of being a good defender. Uh, and so I think that you know you can at least get that out of him as a point of attack. And that's great. He's going to battle really hard if he gets switched on to bigger players as well. It's a bit more of a question mark. He's not an athlete. He doesn't get to the rim at a high rate. 
the one thing that's been a positive over his last two seasons is he's become a consistent three-point shooter, which really opens up some of what he can do offensively because he can finally space the floor a little bit. Whether or not that will translate to the NBA line obviously remains to be seen, but I think that you know, you're, you're not looking at him as, again, someone who's going to be kind of that primary initiator, but you're going to look at him as kind of a 3-and-D point guard uh, in the vein of Patrick Beverly or somebody like that. Um, and, I, I, you know, I really think that Carter has that type of defensive potential in him when I compare him to Beverly. So, like, that should tell you that he is, you know, thought, thought, well thought of. Um, but you're right that the offense is a question mark because he's not going to create a ton of it himself. Yeah, I think that criteria you set up earlier about um, starter potential. I think one interesting, I mean, good thing about him uh, if for whatever team gets him is that the elite defense is at least something that he's going to be able to hang his hat on. He makes you feel a little bit better that he'll be able to stick around um, over some of the other higher upside guys. But um, we've tortured the listeners, I think, a little bit already. So let's actually move on in the lottery now where the bigger names are, where the Suns will hold their own pick. Um Kind of uh, probably a little bit lower than I think people were expecting, but um, I'll just ask you the same question as I did about the last grouping, which is uh, who in here, let's say outside of Trey Young, um, has impressed you most? Obviously, there's not going to be a ton of movement on your big board between these guys since they're all pretty stacked, but um, just over the last, let's say, two months or so, who's just been somebody you've, you've had your eye on? Sure. Um, if we kind of knock out just like the top guys and, and don't assume that they'll necessarily be there unless the Suns end up picking kind of in the top four or five. Um, I think Jared Jackson is really interesting. I don't know how much the Suns want to invest in front court pieces right now. I think it's a place that they should invest and shouldn't feel shy about. Like it doesn't seem like they should be particularly tied to Bender necessarily. And Jackson is a really interesting piece because he, you know, has the um, all too often used unicorn potential to be a rim protector and three point shooter. He's shown on occasion this year the ability to attack closeouts off the dribble, which is something that's really impressive for a player of his size. Um, and he's somebody who could potentially give them a nice defensive anchor. Um, I still really like Colin Sexton as a potential point guard prospect. I thought his performance against Trey Young a week or two ago in the Big 12 SEC Challenge was terrific. He showed. Um, and is committed to it. He can really defend. He safeguarded Young that entire game and really put him uh, in some tough positions. I think Sexton's ability to get to the rim is elite. His ball handling consistently impresses me. Um, you know, just kind of putting his head down and, and getting to the basket uh, frequently. His jump shot has looked reasonably good, although it certainly isn't as pretty as, say, Young's when you compare those kind of top point guard prospects. But I think. Those are kind of the two guys that I, I like up there. And I mentioned Sexton only because I think a few people have kind of soured on him uh, recently. What do you think about the way, um, projecting Sexton into the NBA, what do you think about the way that Avery Johnson and Alabama's staff uses him, um, not always initiating the offense and not always running super NBA-style stuff? Yeah. I, I don't know how much I think that'll matter for what he does in the NBA. I think when Sexton gets put in positions with Alabama that'll get put in in the NBA, he succeeds pretty well. I don't remember the numbers, but like his pick and roll ball handling is pretty good. He seems to have a nice understanding. He gets guys on his hip and holds them there. His ball handling is good. He gets low to the ground. He can split pick and roll coverages. 
His pull-up jumper looks reasonably good. It's a little flat. Um, and so I don't know that I have concerns necessarily about the way that Avery Johnson uses him because Avery Johnson's just coaching a college offense that has to involve getting a decent number of guys involved um, and isn't letting go like Juan Kruger's letting Trey Young go at Oklahoma. But I think when Sexton gets put in those positions like the stuff he's doing at the NBA that he does them well. Yeah, I'd be interested to see with Sexton if Alabama is in the tournament in March and how how that might change. I think that could be um, not even really like you're saying necessarily indicative of how he'll be how he'll perform in the NBA, but just interesting to watch, fun to watch. Um, let's uh, yeah. let's get into that top three just a little bit, um, and we'll we'll try to partition it a little bit more based on the Suns and uh, which of those. So you on your board, you have Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, um, Young, and DeAndre Ayton in your top four. Which of those guys do you see, and, and, and understanding the caveat that we don't know what they're going to do as far as Bender and Chris go and, and whether they'll be willing to spend in the front court, but um, just at face value, which of those four guys kind of makes the most sense on the Suns roster as it stands today? I mean, I think almost any of them can make sense, right? I think that both Trey Young and Luka Doncic make sense from the perspective of it would be nice to have another ball handler. Um, both of them are competent shooters. You don't always have to take the ball out of Booker's hands, and those two can, whoever it is, Young and Booker or Doncic and Booker, can work uh, synergistically with each other. Um, and I think that if you end up in a position with either of those guys, you should feel comfortable with it. Julian Ayton, both also fit reasonably well there. I think with Bagley, there are, just because of lesser physical tools, there are more concerns about his potential rim protection. So if that's a concern for Phoenix, Aiton maybe makes a little bit more sense because people rely or trust on those physical tools from Aiton a little bit more than they do with Bagley, even though I don't know that there's been an actual production difference between the two as college basketball players. Um, so I don't know that I, I have a favorite out of the four, and I think that there are plenty of arguments. If you wanted to, to make an argument that orienting the team around a big man and Booker would be, I think maybe I would slightly lean towards DeAndre Ayton for them just because I think Bagley in some situations is probably going to have to play the four until his team plays smaller lineups down the stretch of games. Um, like, I mean, Luka Doncic is just really, really good. So like, I'm never going to say he would be a bad fit there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I think that they would be okay with any of those guys. Yeah, I kind of feel like it It seems when you watch the team, uh, at least from my perspective, like the point guard position is just a really glaring. I mean, it's similar, I've felt this year, to those process Philly teams where you're like, does no one understand that a point guard would solve a lot of these problems? And then um, obviously the patients that the team's exhibiting, they don't necessarily care that there's no point guard in place, but then you think about what a player like Aiden could do in Phoenix, and it just almost makes you feel like, wow, maybe the, the center position is a bigger concern than I realize because they don't really have consistent rim protection or finishing um, from their big men unless Tyson Chandler's in the game. Right. He's obviously doing it at a, a little bit of a lesser level as his age goes on, and he doesn't play every night because of the same for the same reason. So... Um, I, I agree with you. Aiton continues to be interesting to me. 
for them just because I feel like you almost kind of zip up the offense at that point. You feel pretty solid with the with yeah. with he Warren and Booker. You really don't necessarily have to worry about getting another offensive piece at that point. But um, the playmaking. I mean, I'm kind of just rambling, but the, it, I think what the the takeaway for me and um, it seems like for you as well is that they're kind of if they can get a pick that high, they kind of can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're not necessarily in a position to be drafting for fit yet. Um, whereas, like, say, Philadelphia last year, right, was in a tough position because they knew that they wanted their starting front court eventually to be Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Well, I don't know that outside of Booker, Phoenix really has a solidified piece that they're certain will be in the starting lineup. Um, and, and in the case of Doncic and Young and Bagley and Ayton, I don't know that they really have anybody in either of those positions that they solidly feel like will be part of the future necessarily. So I, I don't think they can go wrong. Um, I don't necessarily think they should be drafting for fit either. And so I think that they can kind of just take the best player available on their board, which is, I guess, uh, a sad place to be because you would like to have plenty of talent on your team. But it's also a really nice place to be because it gives you a lot of flexibility in building what your team's going to look like in the future. Well, so... Building off of that um, perception overall of the Phoenix roster, I think if you talk to people with the Suns from the summer on, and obviously this uh, mindset on their part became a little bit notorious during the Kyrie Irving negotiations when they were basically unwilling to part with Josh Jackson and previously before actually taking him, the pick that became him, um, because of how much they, they really liked him. So... Um, because you do watch and write about Kansas a, a fair bit, I thought you'd be a good person to ask um, about where where you think Jackson has succeeded um, compared to what he did at Kansas and, and in high school and, and what you think uh, maybe hasn't come along that you did expect to. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know that I expected it to, but obviously the place I think to start is with the jump shot because I think that that is sort of critical to whatever his development as a player will be, right? I think that that sort of is the elephant in the room. And and, and watched recently, it doesn't come along really at all, which is a little concerning. He still has the hitch in the jump shot. He still looks like someone who shoots in you know, rhythm on catch and shoots. He can occasionally hit that mid-range pull-up. He has some promising numbers from, you know, the long long two department, but he's still not consistently knocking down threes, and he's still not consistently knocking down free throws. So I think that that is concerning to not see that type of improvement um, or really any change to his shooting motion um, so far in his, you know, NBA career. So that part to me is a little bit concerning uh, and, and something that I was not necessarily expecting to see change, but is something that I was hoping I would see change. I think that in the stuff that I watch, the stuff that has come along and it does seem nice is that he's still consistently able to create um, shot attempts at the rim when he's given space to operate. I don't think he's a great isolation one-on-one scorer necessarily, but when he's put into dribble handoff actions, when he's run off the screens and then on a curl or something like that, he's able to consistently attack in those big spaces and I think that that's something that he was good at at Kansas, and I think that's something that has translated really well to what Phoenix is doing with him on offense in recent games. And so I think that's nice to see offensively. I think in those situations, you'd probably like to see him 
is a little bit better of a passer than he probably has been. Um, he doesn't have that same type of initiating that he did a little more often at Kansas. So, and that's probably just like, there's only one ball in Phoenix and there's other guys who are going to be the initiators and they're not named Josh Jackson. So there's a little bit of that going on, but I do think that's something that, that could come along because he showed a little bit more of it in college than he has so far. So he's actually shooting uh, 32% on 47 three-point attempts in January, um, which I think for a lot of Suns fans is a big, uh, great to see because, yeah, it's coming. It's about the ugliest made shot you'll ever see when it does go in. Um, No spin a lot of the time on the ball. But uh, to this point, you maybe can't necessarily argue with those results, at least in January. Um, And we'll see how it goes going forward. I do think that he'll continue to be involved in the offense more. And as you said, I think that I credit Triano uh, quite a bit, um, especially over the last month or two with, as they've transitioned Booker into being more of the the primary ball handler, they've, um, especially when Greg Monroe was, was playing and still on the team, obviously he got cut last night, but they were doing a really good job when, with, with Bender and Monroe, you have two guys who are really, really good initiators at the elbow, and I think that took responsibility away from Booker, but also um, helped Jackson in a lot of those situations because he's able to get the ball on the move and make yeah. simpler decisions. So what? where do you – I guess I'll just ask what you would do, not where you project that whatever coaches in place will do, but um, how would you use Jackson – in, on on offense, like you said that he's he's not initiating, and I agree that's been a complaint of mine as well. That there's he's really not being given those opportunities whatsoever. But what do you what would you do with him as an offensive player? Yeah, I mean it's really tough to figure out because he's so different and unique um, in what he's good at, right? Like at Kansas, he generated a ton of points, scoring in, in similar ways to how he is in Phoenix in those dribble handoffs, like you were talking about off the elbow action stuff like that. Um, except Kansas did it with a four-guard weave on the perimeter, and they just, like, instead of doing a dribble handoff with someone at the elbow, they just handed it off between guards, and the guard de facto set a screen and let Jackson turn the corner. So it's, it, it is, in a, uh, some ways, pretty similar to that. One of the things that I, I really liked at Kansas that they would occasionally do is they would put him as a screener with Frank Mason and let him pick and pop out to the three-point line and then attack from there. And I noticed kind of since I was just – you know, trolling through some of Jackson's stats that they haven't done that with him at all yet. And I think that that's something that's really interesting because, you know, we've talked a lot about how he's pretty good in big spaces and attacking when he has room to operate. Well, if you put him in a ball screen with a shooter, say like you run a ball screen with him and Booker, the defense is going to have to pay plenty of attention to Booker and Booker can kick it off to Jackson and let him get kind of a four on three into the rim. And I think that's where, Jackson's playmaking shined a bit more at Kansas where it probably isn't shining in the NBA right now. Um, that's a play that I really liked when they ran it at Kansas. They didn't run it super frequently, um, but when they did, it was really effective. And I think that that's something that you could work into the offense to kind of give him some additional playmaking opportunities and initiating opportunities, even though he's not the primary guy in those plays. Yeah. I've really liked how he's uh, it's similar to what, what, what you're saying with the open space. He's been really effective, and that's part of the reason that I, I do want him to have the ball in his hands more in the half court, is when he's out in transition, not only is he getting to the rim and finishing plays, but he has his eyes up the court, and he makes 
he he makes good situations for the team more often than not when he when he has the ball in on the fast break in transition and makes me feel optimistic that that could continue to grow. Um, defensively, though, with him, do you do you think he can defend the one through four in the NBA? I don't know that he's ever going to be able to defend the four. I watched um, a lot of that Mavericks game uh, from, I guess, last night or two nights ago. Dennis Smith quite a bit, and I was optimistic about how that went. Like, he seemed to, to, for the most part, do a pretty good job of staying in front of Smith. Um, Not necessarily always, but I thought that that was... Because they were playing, right? They were playing Booker at the one in that game, right? Yes. Yeah, Jackson was on on Smith quite a bit, because he started that game with Troy Daniels, uh, or... Yeah, with Troy Daniels out. Yeah, um, and so they had him guarding Smith a lot, and I thought that that was, was promising. So I think that there's a good chance to guard 1-3. Whether or not he can guard 4s, you know, depend, obviously, like, the power forward position shifts and changes. Like, the big guys, I think he's going to have trouble there because I don't know that he's ever going to put on enough strength, although he certainly looks bigger than he did in college already. Um, but, like, a 1-3 through three situation seems serviceable and doable for him uh, and I feel pretty optimistic about that I think his one-on-one defense is quite good I think his off-ball defense is terrifying yeah his 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 one-on-one defense has been like game game not game changing like he's changing the course of games but like he he can already lock yeah. down guys even as a rookie um, he's stripped James Harden twice I think uh, last Sunday um, it, he's looked really good in flashes the the Suns team defense is a we'll call it a work in progress. So I uh, I agree with you there, but I, I think that'll I hope that that will sort itself out as they just get more talent. Uh, as as you said, with drafting for need versus um, fit, I don't think they're at a point where guys are really being uh, put in the best situations yet. But um, let me try to form this question. Um, well, I guess a lot of it probably is how you feel about TJ Warren, but I'm thinking again about what you said with the starter potential, and we're only well, probably 1,100 minutes into Jackson's rookie season, but how do you feel about where he would fit in the hierarchy of a good team? Has that changed since college, um, worse or better, um, and then kind of just... I guess if, if it changes based on the Suns roster itself, but really I'm just looking for where you think he can be on a, on a really good team. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say that probably my thoughts about him have come down a little bit since college because I was somewhat optimistic that he might be able to develop as a jump shooter. And since he hasn't really done that yet, and he hasn't shown as much playmaking yet, like he has a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, which is concerning. Um, some of that stuff has brought down what I thought was his ceiling potential. Um, you know, we had him number two on our board over at the step back last year. And the reason for that was that we thought that there were some situations where he could kind of be that rare wing primary initiator type of player. Um, I feel a little less confident, obviously, after this year that that's something he's going to develop into. Uh, But I still think that there's plenty of starter equity there if you can figure out how to put him into your offense and let him handle the ball a little bit and be that kind of secondary guy. But so much of him being a starter is going to hinge on him getting that three-point percentage consistently up to that, like, 32 33% range, I think, right? So if he can do that, it seems pretty 
certain that he can be a starter in the NBA. I think if he can't do that, then maybe you shift him into a position where he's initiating a lot of your second unit offense um, and and defending, right? Um, some of the better players on the opposing team. Sure. I feel maybe a little bit better than that, but I think that part of following the Suns is trying not to trick yourself that a guy showing a flash after showing zero for two weeks is not actually a reason for changing your perception of them. But I do think um, compared to the very beginning of the season, he has definitely gotten back on track uh, as a prospect, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Um, Thank you, though, for coming on today. I'm sure I will find a reason to drag you back on if you are uh, down later on in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Well, uh, just tell people where they can find your work, where they should go, Twitter, whatever it is. Sure, yeah. I mean, the best place to find anything that I write is on Twitter, uh, at CstoneHoops. Anything that I write for any of the outlets that I write for usually gets posted up there. Alrighty, well, thank you, and we will be back uh, probably tomorrow, listeners, for a recap of tonight's Utah Jazz game. Until then, uh, we will talk to you later.